0: I remember walking out to where the horses were and watching the way the horses were reacting to the boy's presence Um, and being just really astounded. It was like so clear to me how beautiful their relationships could be or like the potential of the healing process that could happen.
1: Welcome to the Why We Hike podcast, where we explore the highs, the lows, and the whys for going outside. I'm your host, Ford Thunder Erickson, and boy howdy, that intro rhymed real good. Let's do some talking. Ha 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 ha! (laughs) Here we are in Mesa, Arizona, with my first victim uh, since being back in Mesa, Arizona, my good friend, Natalie Demartini. Say howdy, Natalie. Howdy. She's really good at saying howdy. She has a lot of cowboy shirts in her uh closet, probably the most I've ever seen. Actually, how many cowboy shirts would you say, or cowgirl shirts, would you say you have?
0: I don't know. That's an embarrassing amount, probably. Oh,
1: sorry, I don't need many. to put that out there public. Exactly. I don't. Th- I think it's nothing to be ashamed of. <laughs> I I've decided I kind of want to be a cowboy a little bit. I didn't really want to be a cowboy when I was a kid, but now it took me being in my mid-30s to decide that I kind of want that, you know, which is going hand in hand with what we're going to be talking with Natalie about today, because she is, uh, I I was, she has a lot of experience with hosses, horses, and, uh, I wanted to interview her about that today because I think that's a cool aspect of the outdoors that I have not explored on this podcast yet. We have not heard anything about that. Um, but what kind of made me think about it was um, this summer I was at a family reunion and we decided to go on a little horse ride with, with our family at my cousin's ranch. And we went riding on some horses. And it's the, I mean, I've ridden horses a few times, not very much at all, but a few times here and there. But it had been a while since I'd ridden a horse, at least a couple years. And man, it was a really cool experience just riding through the forest and it wasn't long it was like maybe an hour you know yeah um but i was like i got into the same kind of uh zone that i get to when i'm hiking or trail running or something while i was on the back of the horse and i'd never experienced that before but it was the same but it was different too it was like because i'm there's this giant animal (laughs) You know it's such a crazy thing like we know about how people ride horses and stuff but it was it was like kind of surreal just the fact that i'm on this giant animal and we're just moving as one it was just this kind of weird crazy experience but it was honestly kind of like a spiritual experience and i was in the zone a little bit and that's when i was like all right i want to be a cowboy (laughs) i like made that decision so yeah yesterday i was just walking around in the desert all by myself and i had inspiration (gasps) thought because i passed some people riding horses out there and it reminded me of that. And then I thought, you know what? I should interview Natalie about horses. Yeah. Because I hear you've ridden a few horses in your day. Would you say so?
0: Yeah, just just a couple. Yeah.
1: So so what I know about, and then you can fill in the blanks here. So Natalie has, uh, she worked for Aravaca. It's a equine therapy program, or I like to call it horse therapy. But I think that's not the official title of it for uh at risk boys right Mm -hmm. yeah and so you worked there for was it three and a half years straight yes so what what does that mean exactly equine therapy what how would you explain that to someone who's like what what are you talking about how do horses (laughs) how would horses help these at-risk boys what is the point of the program
0: um okay so it's Am I talking too loud at all? No, you're good. Okay, perfect. I'll adjust
1: it if you... uh, (laughs)
0: Oh, well. Well, there's lots of different, I guess, uses and models of equine therapy. So there's lots of different avenues in which you could go. Um, So a lot of people know of equine therapy to be used for, like, people with mental or physical disabilities. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a pretty common use. A lot of people use them for those things. But what I did specifically more is working with, like, PTSD... Uh, in like behavioral like behavioral health situations Um, and usually what you do is you essentially use the horse as a tool for relationship as a tool for pretty much how relationships are and how your relationships are so it's a tool for regulation and connection Mm. Um, so it helps I mean, it just solves all the problems. Horses can teach you. <laughs> I believe it solves all the problems. Horses can teach you so many different things just about, like, about yourself and about how you act in your relationship. They give you immediate feedback, mm. uh, and they are always very honest. They don't, like, hold grudges, and they don't lie to you, yeah. <laughs> um, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's a weird thing to say. But yeah. they don't lie, and they just they give you almost immediate feedback so you can tell, like, what is going on. It's mm. a really good tool for emotional regulation
1: yeah.
0: uh, and teaches you just about yourself and about your relationships. And so we use the horse essentially as a tool for, to progress the therapy.
1: That's cool. Yeah. It's such a very unique, at least for me growing up, you know, I just grew up with, you know, if you're having some things you're struggling with you go get a regular therapist which is totally fine a human therapist <laughs> yeah. um, and then yeah i remember in, when i was in college i heard about aravaca and what they do down there and i think there's a few other programs that of equine therapy um but i think it yeah it's really amazing um the more but i really don't know a whole lot about it so i want to get into a little more of the nitty-gritty and some of the experiences you've had personally mm-hmm. and maybe that you saw in some of the kids or other people in your life on how you know, working with horses has has helped. Um and even just riding horses and just being a cowboy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh but before I do that I wanted to know uh d like before you went to Aravaca, were you a horse person? Did you have horses? Did you ride them before or is that you just learned it all there?
0: Uh I definitely I definitely had ridden horses before I would say I learned a lot while I was there but I definitely have been riding them a lot riding reading them riding them a lot <laughs> on, <actually>. Proper
2: English. <laughs> riding
0: them I've been riding them for a long time not my whole life though I have kind of a weird interesting story hmm. um horses I was like the crazy horse girl like in kindergarten and middle school I
1: like, can 100% see that I yeah. feel like you're I hope you're not offended by it. I think you're still kind of the crazy horse girl a little bit. I
0: am, but now I have validity to it. Because before, <laughs> I just, like, had pictures of horses and uh, would, like, play with the little toys and uh-huh. games, weird games. Like, there's, yeah. like, board games that have horses in them. <laughs> um, and I always wanted a horse, but my family just wasn't in a situation to have. It's kind of a lifestyle thing, you know? We didn't have the property to just have a horse, so I never got one. <laughs> yeah. um, and Where'd then, you grow up? California, Northern California, in Nevada City, California. Oh, okay. Uh, right. Northern parts near like Lake Tahoe and Sacramento. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they were always just—it was just this big fascination that I always had. My grandpa had a cattle ranch, but I kn- it was gone before I was even born. Mm. Um, and no one in my family, like my immediate family, like my parents or my sisters or my brothers, have ever had the interest. And really? I just, like, yeah. It was no It's just you. It's just me. <laughs> really? Wow. <laughs> um, I have an uncle on my mom's side that has horses, and they live in Utah. And so it's, like, every once in a while we would go to Utah, and I get to, like, ride, and it was, like, the best thing of my life. And I was, like, obsessed yeah. with it. And I had a couple friends in high school that had horses, so I'd, like, ride once in a oh. blue moon. Uh, but then when I went to college, I actually went to college at BYU-Hawaii, and when I went to college, there is a ranch very close by, and I made some friends that worked on that ranch. And... I pretty much just started making friends with these people that worked on the ranch. Some of them were in my major. And I would go up there and volunteer at the ranch. And it's called Gunstock Ranch. It's a great place. If you oh, ever I saw go the to,
1: hat said Gunstock yeah. hanging on your wall.
0: If anyone ever goes to Hawaii, they should go there. It's, like, my favorite place in the world. It's beautiful. Um, cool. <laughs> But it's a ranch, and they do trail rides, and they also do cattle work and just different, and That's lessons. That's interesting because I
1: don't ever think – I can't – for some reason I have a hard time picturing a Hawaii – cattle ranch and like cowboys yeah. riding around you know Yeah, it's. But I assume it yeah I guess it would exist there too it right? does
0: exist <laughs> huh. um, but yeah I would go up there with my friends and just tag along and volunteer help with like lessons or grooming horses or picking up poop whatever what they time. needed to <laughs> do huh. um, in exchange for pretty much they would just give me lessons and they wow. would just like teach me and um, I did that for a lot like uh, I don't know, four years? Wow. Um,
1: just Like how regularly? Well,
0: okay, I shouldn't say four years. I think I volunteered for about a year, just going up, helping do random things. Eventually, the people at the ranch just started putting me to work. Like, oh, go fix that fence or yeah. go do this weird thing. And I started just, like, working there, and then... As I was working there, I just, like, continued to learn. I had some really excellent, like, mentors that were really good at horses, and pretty much all of my base knowledge from horses came from them. Hmm. And so I spent, after I graduated school, I just stayed in Hawaii to just work as a little cowgirl. Wow. uh, Doing things there and not really sure what I wanted to do with my life. I knew I wanted to go into therapy, but I couldn't imagine sitting in an office and doing therapy. That was terrible. So I just lived a little carefree life riding in the hills oh. on a horse every day all the time yeah. and somewhere along there I like it hit me how therapeutic the riding was
2: mm. um Here, keep going.
3: Sorry. oh
0: just how therapeutic the riding was I had a friend that was teaching lessons and she was a psychology major as well so she would like kind of tie just different things as she was teaching these little kids and they would have like temper tantrums on the horse and she would like mm. talk to them about um just like trying to stay calm and be direct and it was just really amazing that she wasn't even doing equine therapy, but watching a difference in these little kids in their behavior after they've been riding a horse for a few months at a time. Yeah. Um, and like their parents telling us that it was like the best part of their week always was when the wow. horse they got to ride a horse and how much better moods they would be in.
2: Wow.
0: So I started researching like equine therapy and thinking about oh, I think this is might so it might be something I want to go into. It kind of has all my avenues. I love yeah. the horses. I like therapy, and so just Google search, and I found Arivaca Boys Ranch, and I thought to myself, I'm going to go there for one year and see if I like it, and if I like it, I'm going to go back to grad school. Wow. But then I liked it too much, and I just stayed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, man. That that blows my mind. For some reason, I just assumed you grew up in, like, a just a horse family.
0: I did not. You, know, like, <laughs> you lived on
1: some ranch or something. If anybody who knows Natalie, she just seems like a ranch person. I don't know if that's offensive. It's not offensive. I, I think ranch people are amazing. But a lot of my relatives are ranch people. Um, but that's, you just seem like that. Kind of a rough and tumble, you know, down-to-earth yeah. person who just loves horses. And you just always been around them. But that's not the case. That's the crazy.
0: Case. I mean, it's been now like seven years. Yeah, so now I've it is. It,
1: but you didn't grow up with it, which no. is so crazy. I just assumed you did. That's cool. Do you... Because you said while you were in Hawaii and you'd go help out on this ranch a lot and you you said you started to notice kind of the therapeutic side of working with horses. Mm-hmm. Is there a moment or experience that you had while you were there that you started to notice that personally or was it just kind of a gradual thing or
0: um I think there is two moments uh, when I was in school, I was like a junior maybe or something, and I was working on my like my senior research project, and I was just so stressed out all the time and I was in the library all the time. And I started going up to the ranch, and I just noticed that my favorite part of, like, the week, I would, like, get so stressed out and in my head, and then I would just take a break, and I would, like, end up going... My friend, who's awesome, her name's Amy, she was in the same classes as me, and she would notice me getting kind of, like, stressed out or breaking down, or I'd be, like, crying. (laughs) She was like, oh, let's just go take a break, and she'd drive me up to the ranch, and... Every time I'd, like, go up there, even if it was just for, like, ten minutes, I'd go, hang out, and I would just become so much happier. And then I'd go back to the library and be way more productive. So that was something that I noticed, and that's kind of what inspired me to, like, stay and really get into it. Yeah. Uh, Because I just, like, couldn't imagine not being around them at that point. I was like, I've just spent four years in school. I want to just, like, be outside. And I was so happy there. So I think that was one thing. Um, I think the most, probably the most moment, the biggest moment I had and this is a longer story, but I actually broke my back riding horses. Mm, I you um, mentioning that. And it was a pretty gnarly accident. I broke my back and a billion bones in my hand and just all these different things. Uh, and the horse that broke my back was actually a horse that I owned.
3: <laughs>
0: oh. um, and it was a, I mean, there's a lot of mistakes on my part for how I, like, the situation that led to that moment. Um, and I was terrified to get back on my own horse mm. after when I was, like, recovering and I had been riding for a couple months. And I just, like, didn't want to get on my own horse because I was so scared. It was, like, I was traumatized. I was like, I can't get like on my own horse. You, after you healed? After I like? healed, yeah. And I just made every excuse for why I couldn't ride my horse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and eventually I had another friend that I worked with on the ranch. Uh, her name is Lori. Hi, Lori.
1: Hi, Lori. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what's your last name? Hey? Smith. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I have a horse friend named uh, Laurie Hanks. No, Howdy, Laurie! Uh, anyway.
0: But she put me in the round pen with my horse, and she pretty much like gave me this little lesson. And I was like so scared to get on her, and I had asked her for help, and she was like, "No, we're get- like you have to get on your own horse. We're doing this right now." So. She, like, kind of made me get on. I was, like, terrified, which was weird because I have ridden all these other horses, but I was so scared to get on my horse. Yeah. Um, I was feeling really, like, anxious. And she put me in the round pen, and she was really helpful in helping me, like, talk through a lot of things. And as she was, like, talking through the things and the behaviors that my horse was doing and my reactions to them, she was just like, you're freaking out for no reason. Like she's fine. She's chill. You're just like freaking out. And she kind of like pointed it out to me, but as well as pointed out just these different behaviors. And she's like, Natalie, all she's doing is responding to you. So like all of these things you think where she's being mean, she's not, she's just responding to you. Mm. And she like pointed out all these just different things about how me and my horse were similar. And it just like this, like little light just clicked on my head. I was like, Whoa. And it was kind of like my own equine therapy session. And Mm. after that moment, I like never wanted to ride any other horse but my own horse. Really? And I was like never scared of her again and it was really helpful.
1: Was this but before, my confidence grew. Before you went to Arawaka? Mm-hmm.
0: That was in Hawaii.
1: Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, that's insane. So um so then you uh how long after that did you make the the jump to move to Arizona to work at Aravaca?
0: know uh, maybe a year i have no idea <laughs>
1: <laughs> so i, I want to hear about the Aravaca experience a little bit so this is a program it's been around for a while mm-hmm. I remember i had a professor who was really wanting me to work there and i never did i'm sorry <laughs> um but uh so i don't i really don't know a whole lot about it i mm-hmm. just know it's it's just all boys right and uh yeah tell me about kind of your initial experience when you got there to Aravaca. Was it what you expected? What did you see? Do you feel like I don't know. I'm just interested in what that was like.
0: Um uh, was it
1: different than you thought it, it would was. It was definitely
0: I didn't know what I was going to expect. I definitely mm. didn't know what I was expecting. It was a shocker for sure when I got there. Uh
1: in what way? In what way?
0: Mean? Well, I mean it's a ranch full of like thirty teenage boys, so <laughs> I mean, is that a good enough explanation?
1: I, I can only imagine. I know.
0: Um, and, I mean, they're just rambunctious and rowdy, and I came from an environment that was, like, very sheltered and, like, calm and chill, and mm-hmm. they were just, it was just, the energy level was super high, and I didn't know what I expected. I think I thought the boys were really weird at first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then, I mean, honestly, within the first two days, I just, I, I was really touched with, like, the magic of the program.
1: Huh. Um, In what way? Do you remember?
0: Yeah, I was... I remember watching... I remember first, like, walk, walking around my first day, and I walked out to where the horses were, because I wasn't initially working with the horses. I was just working with the boys. Um, I remember walking out to where the horses were and watching the way the horses were reacting to the boys' presence. Huh. Um and being just really astounded, it was, like, so clear to me how beautiful their relationships could be or, the like, the potential of the healing process that could happen. Um, I remember, like, walking through, and there was this one boy in the round pen, which is, like, a circle of fences, if you don't know. <laughs> it's a yeah, round pen. I don't
2: know
3: what that it's is. It's a
0: circle of <laughs> – it's just, like, a circle of panels where you can go in and work with your horse so your horse can't uh, get okay. out, and you can just – you know, it's like a little corral. Okay. Um, and I remember there being this one boy who was working with his horse, and he couldn't put the halter on his horse. The what's horse hal- was just... What's a halter? Like a leash for a horse. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> like a collar and a leash for a horse. <laughs> okay. Um, And I just walked over there. I didn't know what was happening because I'd never been there before. And he was just, like, yelling. He was just yelling at his horse. Yeah. And I was just, like, watching it, and his horse was running away from him. Like, constantly running away from him. And yeah. he was just, like, yelling at his horse. And I was like what is going on? Like, why is he yelling at the
2: horse? Yeah.
0: Um, and I went and talked to one of the employees cause I was just like, kind of like curious about what was happening. And she explained to me that, uh, yeah, she explained it to me, um, that he was having a really hard time that specific day. He was having like a hard time with other things going on in the community of the ranch, like the milieu. And he was just struggling that day. And I was like, Okay, okay, but why is he yelling at his horse? <laughs> yeah. uh, and she was just like, "Well, you know, sometimes that's just what's going to happen." And he was yelling. And I was like, "She's like, she she just can't catch him. He can't catch her. That was weird. He can't catch her. He's trying to get his horse to come to him, and he can't catch her because he's so angry. She doesn't trust him right now. Yeah. And so she just kept running away and kept running away, and as a result, he kept yelling and yelling and yelling. Yeah. Um. And that horse actually ended up staying in the round pen for like two days because it was kind of their responsibility of like, you no, know, you have to catch your horse. No one else can do it for you. Similar yeah. to the trail, like uh-huh. this is your responsibility. You have to do it. Uh-huh. Um, and that horse ended up staying in that round pen for like I think a day or two, like two days because he just couldn't do it. Wow. And then one day he went out there, and he was just calm, and was like, had like took a breather, was calm, had like maybe worked him through some things, and just walked into the round pen. And his horse just walked right up to him. Really? And it was just like, Oh, what? Hmm. Um and I think that was like a moment that I had of just like, Whoa. Hmm. This is like really cool.
3: (laughs) Uh
0: and then I just I think I just fell in love with the boys and the relationships they had with their horses and the healing that happened between them. Um and the horses are just great. They know their job and they're very patient with the boys and yeah
1: and that's cool. I feel like I've I don't know what it is, but um, over the last maybe just like six months or so, I've always liked animals mm-hmm. but I feel like I've uh, had like this increased awareness of how amazing animals are and kind of um, I feel like I I feel like I had a conversation with something recently i I had this memory of when I was a kid of uh i don't remember exactly what happened There was this caterpillar and i i don't know if i smashed it <laughs> i don't remember it wasn't dead yet but it was like suffering i remember it was on the side of a tree in our backyard and i don't remember if i did that or i just found it there but for some reason like i killed bugs all the time when i was a kid you know um, but for some reason that time i was like it just hit me and i was like oh no this caterpillar is dying I remember I was like crying and stuff and I was in my room and mom's like what's wrong and I was like that caterpillar it's dying out there you know and I was just so crushed and uh, (laughs) and that's just one little little experience but I I feel like there's a connection I feel like I can kind of see maybe what where that air vodka program's coming Mm -hmm. from with the horses because there's like a there is something therapeutic about wildlife you know um and how they interact with us because mm-hmm. even at anasazi where we work right now we talk a lot about animals and you know if you have a we talk about how they you know what whatever you believe in but we believe that animals kind of have like a they can sense your heart kind of mm-hmm. your intent sometimes and and uh, a lot of times with animals um, in one of the other episodes with the interview with tamra hyde i liked how she said Yeah, animals are—they're not trying to deceive you, really. Mm -hmm. You can trust each animal to behave like how what it is. If it's a dog, you can trust it to behave like a dog, (laughs) you know. Or a bear is going to behave like a bear, you know. That that's what they're going to do. People are the only ones that sometimes change. Yeah, change and and use deception, or you know, sometimes can't trust them, or I don't know. Uh, But. I guess where I'm going with it is that I can see how, like, would, with how you interact with animals can be then used to how you interact, can, can parallel how you interact with people. So if you're rough with people in your life, um, you're mean to people, you struggle with your relationships with people, mm-hmm. you're also probably not going to respect animals as much. Yeah. Or even like little bugs. I've seen that parallel yeah. in my life.
0: Yeah. Um yes <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts about those thoughts but yeah that's something that we really try to something that equine therapy can really teach you is having we believe also at the ranch of like having the horse can read your intention and your mm-hmm. heart so if you're respecting your horse and you know for to use the words like a heart and peace like a peaceful heart at the moment with your horse mm-hmm. then your horse is going to respond to that yeah. um, and we can build that relationship on that and what's really cool about horses is they give you the immediate feedback to your, to your either what your heart is doing or your behavior. Yeah. And humans don't always, sometimes humans don't always give us that immediate feedback, right? Yeah. So, I mean, we can take like passive aggressiveness, like if you are in a real, like you treat someone passive aggressively, then maybe that person won't like that, but they might not say anything. uh uh-huh. And so, the natural consequence of how you treat people is like a delayed thing, or it's hidden. you never really yeah. know, but the horse will immediately tell you mm. like if you are aggressive with your horse, the horse is going to immediately react to that yeah. and it might not always be aggressive behavior back they might just like like the boy in the round pen, the horse just Walk ran away, away. just yeah. oh, i'm not gonna I'm not gonna continue this relationship right now if this is how you're going to act yeah. um or yeah a million other things like they might not listen to you if you're telling them to go a certain direction mm-hmm. they just ignore you like <laughs> they don't do that they just like oh, i'm gonna walk this way anyways yeah. uh or if you're to, if you're riding them you try to tell them to stop if they don't have the trust and the respect of what you are doing with them uh that you're gonna keep them safe then they won't they're not gonna listen to that because that's what the relationship is based off of is mm-hmm. safety and respect and if they don't feel like you're gonna make a safe decision for them or that you respect them, then they're just not going to respect what you ask them to do.
3: Mm.
0: And so you can kind of use that to point that out to people as they're working with the horses. And it will parallel with their life. You can bring it back Mm. to like, well, do you feel like people maybe sail the same way your horse does? And you can use that as a, because they generally will treat their horse the same way they treat their parents or their relationships or the people, like the boys they live with. But the horse
1: is going to give you a pure But the horse reaction. is going to give
0: you a pure reaction, and so you can
1: mm-hmm.
0: just point that out to them. Just use it to point out to them, because it's a very natural, immediate consequence.
1: You can't argue with... And you can't argue the with horse the horse. Don't have any ulterior motive. <laughs> yeah, like, I feel weird around you. You're giving me some weird vibes. So yeah, you can't up, justify it, because, you,
0: know? you know, people make mistakes too, so if, someone, if you treat someone bad and they treat you bad back, uh-huh. then you can kind of use that as a justification of like, oh, yeah. well they don't like me anyways or they're mean anyways or they lied first you kind of just you can blame you Uh can shift the blame of their reactions to their problems instead of like actually taking on the accountability for yourself
1: but you can't do that with
0: the horse you can't be like oh the horse lied to me first it's like uh the horse can't lie it doesn't speak to you so (laughs) uh let's reevaluate yeah i love that holy Um, cow that's
1: cool so you
0: can't you can't. You have to like accept the accountability. You can't keep running away from it hmm. with a relationship with your horse, which is really cool.
1: Do, do you think you can see this kind of relationship? Like, because you have a dog here. I see it sitting there, laying so preciously over there in a ball. Good old Annie the dog. Uh, maybe we'll interview Annie here in a second. <laughs> see if we can get some growls. Um, but wow. do you feel like people can have similar type of experiences with? you know not just going through horse therapy <laughs> sorry sounds like a sounds like a derogatory term but it's not <laughs> equine therapy do you feel like people can have similar therapeutic type experiences in the way you just described it with other animals like if they have a dog for example what do you what do you think about that? what are your thoughts on that cuz i know you have you have a dog
0: yeah i love my dog she's yeah. so cute she's my best friend um i think you can i think there's different I think horses specifically have a more a magical purpose with a lot of other things other than just a relationship aspect of it uh there's things that riding a horse can actually has like been scientifically proven to help your brain function better which we can talk about that but i do i mean for sure i think that the connection with animals can teach you so many things Mm -hmm. about your relationships with people because i mean animals you're right animals just don't have ulterior motives Mm-hmm. They just are who they are.
3: Yeah.
0: And so you can kind of, if you have the ability to understand those and look into that relationship, then I believe it can be, yeah, just as eye-opening.
1: Huh. But you do feel like there's something specific about horses in general? Which, I mean, there is, like, obviously, <laughs> even if um, you don't know anything about equine therapy or anything, like when you look throughout the history of mankind, yeah, places where there were horses they would be riding them and <laughs> using them you know
2: yeah.
1: um, in places where there weren't horses they didn't really have much there might be some kind of animals here and yeah. there that they figured out but for the most part they didn't really have animals like that that they could ride yeah. for the most part but that's such like just in my really teeny tiny microscopic experiences of riding horses <laughs> um, um this summer it was it was a really surreal experience to just be on the back of a an giant animal just yeah, moving as one because mm-hmm. you mentioned something about that yesterday or something about about that like moving with an animal can you talk a little bit about that it was something that sounded really interesting
0: yeah oh it's a really there's so many things i could say about
1: it um because you're hiking you know like this podcast called why we hike and i interview people who do all kinds of things in the outdoors yeah. and it's not always about hiking um but Essentially, when you're like going on a trail ride, with, you're hiking. You're hiking, but with diff, with something else's legs. <laughs> you're not in a car. You're not on a bike. There's a living thing that is doing your hike. You're hiking with it, and so yeah. it's, it's really fascinating. So, yeah, the um, wisdom on
0: it. The wisdom on it. Yeah. So, I have. Well, I have to give credit to another company real quick, just because a lot of what I know about this is comes from other knowledge. Uh, The equine therapy model, or module, if you will, that we used at the boys' ranch was called Natural Lifemanship. Hmm. And Natural Lifemanship takes, they take relationship tools, um, they actually use Arbinger, and apply the Arbinger diagrams to horses. (laughs) Um, What is
1: Arbinger? Explain to the people.
0: Explain to the people, it's a conflict resolution philosophy?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah, in short, the people use in their work yeah. situations. And, yeah. yeah, family situations and stuff. Yeah.
0: Um, just how to like have good relationships mm. and see people as they are. Yeah. But they use it at, for horses. So how to like see huh. the horse as they are and how that relates wow. to the diagrams in that relationship. Uh, and that's one thing that they do. But they also do something that teaches about the regulation of a brain of your brain mm. and how horses can help that. So horses, uh, it's so hard to explain this in a short way, but I can do I it. I believe in you. I believe in you. You got um, this. There's a lot of different, our brain's obviously very complicated, right? A very complicated thing. But the main, the first and foremost function of our brain is survival mode, right? That yeah. comes from the brainstem and how to live and how to survive. Um, and one of the functions that the brainstem does is our fight or flight. And then... From there, we have many other functions of our brain, right? We have, like, the emotional part of our brain. We have executive functioning with, like, problem-solving and abstract thinking. You have movement in your brain of, like, your brain telling your body to move this way and that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, senses and talking, all those things, right? Yeah. Um, and when we are in situations, and this it was has been essential to our survival for all the many years... <laughs> Uh, when we are in situations in which our survival is at risk, then our brain can essentially shut off other parts of our brain. The brainstem will turn off your executive functioning and your emotions because you don't have time to think about that. Yeah. Right? If you're in a battle face-to-face with another human, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you don't have a moment to hesitate to think about their wife and kids or those other things because your mm-hmm. survival is on the line. So yeah. you essentially can it allows you to act in the way you need to act without hesitating without feeling guilty yeah um and when you are put in a lot of survival situations especially from a young age when you're developing your brain then your brainstem becomes overpowering and becomes very strong so kids that have had like ptsd or like traumatic situations their brainstem muscle if you will will get really strong And it just like when you have regular muscles, you use the muscles that are the strongest. And so your brain can jump to situations really quickly, which is essentially what PTSD is, is Mm -hmm. when you get triggered by something that might not be life-threatening, your brain is so used to being in life-threatening situations that it just, like, will immediately shut off other parts of your brain. Just, like, brains will be like, oh, last time that someone was mean to us, we almost died, so... We can't think about their emotions. We just have to act now, and that's why you have kids that run away or get violent or, like, shut down and freeze and lay on the couch for days at a time is from that core function of our brain, Mm -hmm. but it being overused. Um, And the key to helping move past that and healing that and reworking those neural pathways is to create safety within Mm -hmm. your brain. (laughs) So to help your brainstem know that you're not at risk. Uh, which is a hard thing to do, because how do you talk to your brain? You can't yeah. just say, oh, I'm safe, because your brain doesn't work that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so you have to create the safety. And if, uh, like, danger comes from unknown situations, like our fear pretty much comes from not knowing what's going to happen next, yeah. uh, then the way to create safety would be the opposite of that, which would be to create predictability. Mm-hmm. Um, which, it's, I know it's like hard to explain, but it create, it, to create Predictability And predictability can come with patterns and rhythm and repetition. Uh, that's how predictability is created, right? Like if I tap on the table, we know that every second you're going to tap again and tap again and tap yeah. again. That's a rhythm, but it's also a pattern and r- repetitive, right? Uh-huh. Um, and what riding horses can do is create a consistent... Predictability and many different stimuluses. Hmm. So, if you're riding a horse, you can feel the movement of the horse under you, and yeah. it's a very rhythmic movement. If you've ever ridden a horse, you can feel like uh-huh. the bounce. Duh, yeah,
3: duh,
0: you're kind of bouncing. Duh. Um, and your brain starts to pick up on this rhythm, where it starts to kind of like cool down your fight or flight, huh. uh, which allows your the other pretty much allows like the energy of your brain to be put in other capacities like your emotions and your spirituality and your executive function and your problem solving. Um, It just allows your brain to recognize that, like, oh, I'm safe. And you can relax. And you might not know what's happening, (laughs) but it allows that kind of just like that magic zone. Um, And it can happen through like the sound because that's a sensory input of hearing the hoofs clop. Uh, the feeling, which is another sensory input of your movement actually moving. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just so many different ways that you can feel that. And I think the magic of what comes with horses and being that is horses. Generally, they're very prey animal, right? What do you mean? They have... They don't eat other animals. They're oh, not okay. a predator. Yeah, yeah. I'll but they right are that. prey. So they... And they're constantly in fight or flight. In the wild, they're, like, almost in always fight or flight because they're hunted by so many. And they have to be aware in order mm-hmm. to, like, escape and to survive. And they're very good at it because horses, like, have... There's, like, a billion of them all yeah. over the place. Um in case you haven't noticed there's lots of <laughs> lots of horses because they're really good they've like gotten down this fight or flight to a T, yeah and it's just so strong in their brain that when you ride a horse you're you kind of work through that together mm-hmm. if that makes sense because when they have that repet- repetition too and they feel the safety of someone they trust on their back yeah. then their brainstem can also calm down because they can know that like oh there's someone else that's aware. There's someone else like in my little herd right now that is watching out for me and I've built this relationship and this trust with them that I don't have to worry about a mountain lion eating me mm. or what's behind the next bend mm. or what's going on because I have someone else with me that's gonna protect me.
1: Yeah. So and the, so the horse feels that. The as horse well. can
0: feel that as well. And they can yeah. have they also can feel like they they're excellent at intentions. Oh, Annie looks really funny. Um <laughs>
1: her dogs just laying in the sun gloriously, sniffing the wind. <laughs>
0: Um, they're excellent at reading intentions, and they're excellent at reading our heart rates. They can wow. feel the heart rates. Um, and that's done evolutionary by just the design of pretty much how they've survived. Is If one horse heard something maybe on the outskirts of the field and they heard a mountain lion then their heart rate might start immediately.
2: Yeah.
3: And they
0: have such big hearts, and the electromagnetic rhythm of their hearts will alert the other hearts of the other horses. Wow. And so all of a sudden, they can all hear, they can all feel that, like, oh, there's something dangerous because this horse over here is scared.
3: Uh-huh. And
0: so they pick up on that, and then they all start running, and they escape. Yeah. Um, and so if you think about that, if they can feel that in the fields, then they definitely can feel your heart rate as you're mm. sitting on their back. Yeah,
3: totally. <laughs> and so when
0: your heart rate starts to, like, jump up from anxiety or fear then their fear starts to jump up of like oh what's going on but if you're calmed down and you can like relax then they will calm down and so it's a really cool thing because you pretty much work hand in hand with this horse through like a healing process of both like feeling safe and as one to just like get from point a to point b yeah
1: wow that's amazing and so
0: it creates just like this magical zone and a connection between the two of you
1: wow that was cool. That was very beautifully put. <laughs> you did a good job. That was very complex, but you painted that very well. Holy we go. I tried really hard. It was hard. <laughs> you did great. Wow. Um, yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um,
0: Which also is another reason why hiking, this is Why We Hike podcast, um, hmm. another reason why hiking is actually a beautiful and a therapeutic thing of, like, healing. Mm-hmm. Because even though you don't have a horse, the re- repetition of your steps moving Mm -hmm. and like the rhythm of you moving and just like you know how when you hike you kind of like zone out and it's like a monotonous Mm -hmm. it's the rhythm and the pattern that creates that zone for you yeah and so whether you're on a horse or not that's just like the natural hiking and the bilateral function of your body moving Mm -hmm. it's using all the parts of your brain to move both sides of your body yeah that creates that safety as well and that is yeah, why but... hiking is like the scientific reason of why hiking is therapeutic
2: yeah seriously. So why the
0: trail works and I've... why all the awakenings on the trail happen while you're hiking <laughs>
1: uh-huh. absolutely yeah i've felt that so many times i remember the first times i felt it And i think i did an interview with heidi heidrick and i think uh she brought that up as well i think it's there's something that it has a name there's some kind of therapy about yeah. that that has where you, like, stimulate both sides of your brain, EMDR. like, left, right. Yeah, EMDR is, like, left, right, left, yeah. right, left, right. And, uh, yeah, because I think, yeah, you put that so well. Um, you're very good with words, Natalie. Thank you. Good job.
0: Horses are the EM, the natural EMDR. <laughs> it does the same thing if you know what EMDR is, or you can listen to Heidi's podcast. <laughs> it does the same thing, as riding a horse does the same thing as EMDR does. Yeah, it stimulates totally the different parts of your brain mm-hmm. in a coincisive and a repetitive, predictable pattern.
1: Yeah,
0: That helps you to, like...
1: Yeah, it's crazy, because if I just heard you describe that, I'm like, oh, that sounds really crazy. I wonder if I could ever get to that point of nirvana or zen you know but i have i experienced it yesterday (laughs) you know i've experienced it so many times and that's what led me to this point of Uh, doing uh, all the things that i've done and having this podcast and interviewing you right now because of that (laughs) feeling yeah you know when i was just walking through the desert yesterday uh i didn't have like any destination in mind i just wanted to go on a long walk and uh it was great had a lot of things like questions and decisions i've been trying to make that are just really confusing right now and decided to go out there and just have kind of a spiritual walk out there and it it just i don't know i i can only speak for myself because i don't know how it feels for everybody else but i assume it's got to be somewhat similar yeah the way you described it is like yes (laughs) that's that feeling that i get this kind of weird zone where i just get in this state where everything's becoming clearer things are like parts of my brain that maybe have been a little bit stressed or worried to kind of just relax a little bit yeah and everything just starts to just calm down yeah and it just feels really good on my brain
0: uh the word that you can use (laughs) is regulated
2: as you are as your
0: brain is regulated then it can use all of the parts of your brain like fully functioning Mm -hmm. and like working together cohesively rather than the parts of your brain fighting for what's most important mm. if that makes sense yeah absolutely. and as you are dysregulated that means parts of your brain are shut off and not working together uh-huh. so when you like feel the safe and the regulated motion of all those different things and it allows your brain to just like work at full capacity yeah that, that makes great. sense yeah totally,
1: totally <laughs> makes sense regulated that's what's happening yeah i feel <laughs> that that's great man natalie tearing it up over here <laughs> wow this is amazing Um, I actually had a a request I think I told you this but I had a request a couple months ago to have you on the podcast and then when I had the inspiration yesterday while I was out there doing this walk that we're just talking about I was like oh yeah it's about time need to get Natalie on here so this is great I think your words of wisdom will uh, benefit a lot of people so thanks Natalie Um, real quick though here at the toward the end of the interview if you're comfortable with this I want to ask you about your ankle injury Oh, okay. So, Natalie, uh, correct correct me if I say anything that's not right here, but you worked in the equine therapy industry for three and a half years straight, and you loved it, you were awesome at it. I mean, I wasn't there, but I can already tell that you would be (laughs) awesome at it. And, uh, I mean, you can just feel it from the way she talks, like, you know, made an impact on her, and so she did a good job there. But then she just decided to change things up, and uh, she came and started working at the Anasazi Foundation. Um, walking with her legs, not with horse legs. Yeah. <laughs> that's where I met her. And then not too long after you started a couple months in, you uh, hurt your foot. Mm-hmm. And that was a pretty long, difficult was journey, this. wasn't yeah. it? Kind of getting back on your feet, right? And you're still it's still going. Yeah. Kind of now. Kind of. Can you tell us a little bit about that and maybe any awakenings you've had or just what what it was like that this whole, this whole journey whatever you want to say about it
0: uh yeah um should i tell the story of like how i broke my ankle Is that yeah relevant i don't know um okay so i was on yeah i was on the trail uh with a band and some young walkers in the band kind of like struggling a, a
1: band a band is not like a rock and roll band
0: it's like
1: a group of, of young people yeah that are there to and we call them hiking. young walkers yeah, sorry. Yeah. so anyway so she's Have not it. out there walking with like a rock and roll band so that'd be pretty cool, though. <laughs>
0: that'd be cool. Yeah. Anyway. um but yeah we kind of we were in this canyon and there was some some of the kids in our group that were just like out pretty early on in their walking out there they just had only been out there like a week or two or a week yeah. Um, and so they were just you know struggling with the hike it's kind of a it's a hard, rough beginning, right <laughs> um yeah. and we're going through this canyon, and I'm leading the group, and we're going through the canyon and it's getting dark, so we've come to this spot in the canyon where there's i don't know how high it is, like maybe eight ten feet of just a little like waterfall, uh-huh. and both sides of the canyon are just straight up cliff there's no way to really go around it, you kind of have to like. Go up this little 10 foot waterfall. It's the shortest amount. yeah uh, But it was getting dark, so I was like, okay, we're just going to camp here for the night and we're going to figure out how to get over this in the morning. Because I looked at it and my first thought was like, oh my gosh, this is just, I don't feel like this is safe. I don't yeah. know if this is a, I should like retrack and figure out a different way to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I went to bed. I told the other staff in my group that like I wanted the first night, the last night watch, so that I could take the time while everyone else is asleep to scout out a safe place to go. Yeah. So, you know, I woke up at like 4.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 4.30, and I was getting likes. It's summertime, so it's like pretty light already.
2: Yeah.
0: And I just go on a little adventure, and I try to figure out a way to get around this, like, waterfall section. <laughs> yeah. And I actually climbed up and down the waterfall twice, and I did it safely, mm. but it just didn't feel right to me. I just was like, I don't really know if this is gonna be safe for the kids to go over like I can do it but I'm in pretty good shape and I don't have a pack on right now so it's just like I don't really know if I feel good about this so I started just looking at the area and looked at saw another spot that maybe was more straight up and harder to get up but there was a safe spot for like someone to really spot on the ground and someone to catch on top. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, that would be safer because we could really assist more. And that would, like, no one, I'm pretty confident no one will fall off of that because we can help them better than over here in this spot. But me mm-hmm. being, you know, not maybe, a, I don't know, not the smartest in the moment, uh-huh. <laughs> decided to try climbing it without the assist of another person. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, the rock just crumbled underneath me and I just, like, fell Ugh. On to another rock I don't really know how high it was Because I haven't been back to that spot since <laughs> yeah. um, And just fell on another rock And I mean I just dropped straight on my leg And then kind of rolled down And I ended up in this pool of water And it was freezing It was 4.30 in the morning <laughs> It was like super cold
1: you are by yourself I
0: was by myself So I uh, hooted I What do you call that to people that don't know what hooted is <laughs> I made a noise in which people would know I needed help Yeah <laughs> And it woke up one of the other staff members, and they came over to me and uh, saw me just sitting in this pool of water, oh frozen, because I couldn't move. Oh man! Uh, and she helped me get back to our camp, and I just couldn't walk. I just like knew I couldn't walk, and it was, I like couldn't put weight on it. It was really rough, but I knew, I knew where I was on the map, and I knew there was no easy way for anyone to get to me.
1: Yeah, and deep in the wilderness. There. Deep
0: in the wilderness, and so. I recognized that there was no easy way. I also recognized that I wasn't... My life wasn't in danger. Like, I was fine. I wasn't, like... there's was no internal bleeding. I'm not, like, yeah. dying in any way. I'm just in a whole lot of pain. So I knew I need, didn't need to, like, be rapidly evacuated. I didn't need, like, some helicopter or something. So, in my head, the best solution was, like, well, I guess we just got to get to a road so I can get picked up and go to the hospital.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so... You know, we woke up the other band, kind of told them what was going on. I didn't know if it was broken or what was really going on. I had a, I had an inkling that it was broken, but mm-hmm. I didn't want to voice that because I was scared other people would worry too much.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so I decided, like, oh, it just hurts really bad, and I don't know. I could finish the hike. Oh jeez. <laughs> um, and so I don't know. We just. I mean, I was in pain. I'm making it sound really simple. It was really painful, but and it was a slow process, but I just tied my pack and got the band moving and yeah, we oh just hiked out.
1: You hiked to a road or you just kept going on your week's hike?
0: Uh, we kept going on the same direction of where they would have normally gone, but to a road. Oh, okay. So it's probably I'm probably like 2-3 miles. Yeah.
1: Wow. Maybe? That's that's not on trails or anything. That's no, over like that was rough terrain. Holy Very cow.
0: rough uh creek bed. There was a lot of crawling. I think I crawled for most of it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> a lot man. of, like, scooting on my butt. Hmm. Um, I, there was... We were in a group that such that there was just no... The best option was for me to carry my own pack. There was too much other weight and too many other struggling people for us to really distribute my pack. Yeah. So we just... I just carried my pack. I gave away some of my heaviest items, like my water and my saw, hmm. to the other staff
3: yeah.
0: and then i just carried my pack out it's just a very slow it took us all day to go imagine yeah. it took us like 12 hours to go two miles so it's just very slow and yeah. painful
1: holy cow <laughs> um, so then how that was in like may or something right? yeah may and uh mm-hmm. yeah so fast forward you know she's back on her feet again and it's uh what month is it oh it's december so it's yeah. been a while, but uh, you're even telling me today that you know you're still running and stuff. It's kind of it's kind of tricky. You still feel it. Yeah. You still feel it because you have screws and stuff. Yeah, I got. So yeah, what what ended up actually being what happened?
0: Uh, I broke. Yeah, I pretty much had three different breaks in my leg. I broke. Wow. I had spiral fracture on like my tibia, my fibula, and then a hairline fracture on the other one, and another break in the. It was just a lot of breaks. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I ended up having to have surgery. Um, Usually, when you go to, like, the hospital and the radiologist, like, takes an x-ray, they're not supposed to tell you what's actually wrong with you because they're not the doctor, Mm -hmm. you know? So I got the x-ray, and they're not supposed to tell you what's going on, but I walked into the room, and the doctor first initially didn't think I had a broken leg because I was just, like, I told him what happened. Like, oh, well, it's probably not broken because he wouldn't have been able to hike. (laughs) It's like...
3: (laughs) <laughs> yeah but
0: it hurts really bad like okay well we'll just take an x-ray just in case maybe it's just badly bruised <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and took the x-ray and as soon as like the instant that the x-ray came back on the computer the guy that was looking at x-ray was just like oh yeah, it's broken <laughs> <laughs> like don't tell anyone i said it but it's clearly yeah, broken you're destroyed, you're, so. your bone is in two pieces and yeah. not one piece <laughs>
1: your Legs destroyed uh so i had wow. yeah
0: ended up having to have surgery and I mean, oddly enough, that last day on trail before I went to the hospital was actually one of my favorite days I think I've ever had on trail. Um, I mean, clearly in pain, (laughs) but the awakenings that happened that day and really to watch the kids come together to support me Mm -hmm. and to support each other with, like, an immediate goal in mind of, like, this is not just we have to get to a safe camp spot. Like, we have to get Natalie to a road because she's in a lot of pain and so to just watch how the group came together to support me and like I guess my biggest awakening was even though I was in pain and we were moving like molasses in January we were just moving so slow (laughs) um that it was still like a really happy day uh the band had a lot of tension in it prior yeah and then all of a sudden because there was like one common goal in mind everyone was just like really happy Mm. uh maybe to try to support me to distract me but you know everyone was like laughing we're kind of laughing about what was going on uh really trying to like encourage and support each other to keep moving because some people were moving kind of slow and everyone just be like we just have to get moving because we have to get to a road (laughs) and like and just like i mean i think i was like crying like I couldn't tell. I think I cried most of the hike. Uh And I don't know if I was really crying from, like, pain or from, like, just, like, the joy of seeing people work as a team. And just how cool of a day that was to be like, oh, it doesn't really matter. Like, it doesn't matter the physical pain or the state that people are in. If they're, like, supportive of each other, then everyone's just happier. Mm. (laughs) It just, like, worked better. You know, people were, like, people were... We had someone carrying, like, all the water for the band because we had to split up different parts of people's packs because we just needed to move faster. And so Mm -hmm. just, like, watching everyone be so supportive in order to get to a goal, even though we all were, like, carrying way too much weight than we normally would carry (laughs) and struggling in different ways. And it just—we moved as one.
1: Yeah.
0: And as we moved as one, just kind of like how a horse and a person work together and move as one. The band, like, worked as one and moved mm-hmm. together. And it was just a really beautiful day.
1: That is really cool. That's awesome. Uh, that yeah, thanks for day. sharing <laughs> that. That's awesome, yeah. I've had, I've seen some, not in the exact same way, but similar times out there on the trail where, yeah, something happens. Someone gets hurt or something. Mm-hmm. And everyone does, you know. Yeah. They just come together. And I think sometimes in that moment, that's you see everything the way you you described it really well. Just everyone just comes together and and it has that common goal, and it's really beautiful. And I love how you tie that into the horse. you know, riding on a horse, so you're just kind of moving as one. It's really cool. And I think also for me, your dog is so funny. <laughs> her dog Annie's just laying on her back on the cement, just basking. Anyway, just it, it just reminds me like. You know there can be all kinds of issues and problems. You know everyone's got dark sides to them. Everyone's got things they struggle with. You know weaknesses they have and whatnot. And sometimes those clash and there's contention and you know angry at people or whatnot. But in my experience with life, it's when it when it all comes down to it, I think at most people's core they're pretty good.
0: I believe that as you well. You know,
1: like I've just seen so many times where you can see people's goodness to a to a stranger because of you know some accident happens or something, and and it's really beautiful to see that. Yeah. Just random people. They're, they don't. They're not gaining anything yeah. from helping this person or you know for whatever happens, but um, they just do, and it's really cool and beautiful to see, and it's very therapeutic um, to be a part of that and witness it. Yeah. So, I agree. That was cool. -hmm. So glad you're back on your feet. Back on my feet. I know your ankle still hurts a little bit.
0: Yeah, for the most part, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's only when I do like extreme things, like trying to run on a trail. Yeah, (laughs) but for the most part, it actually is doing really well. I'm really happy about
1: it. Well, we we wish you luck in your speedy recovery. That the pain will go away, and eventually you'll be running hundred milers.
0: I don't think I've ever run 100 miles before, but yeah. What you should do,
1: I interviewed a guy named Matt Graham on this podcast, and he has ran, there's horse races, you know, Uh people race horses through the mountains, and he has done those races, but on foot.
0: Oh, that so, sounds fun. Yeah, so maybe that could fun. be I'd rather ride the maybe, horse. maybe that could
1: be your thing. Yeah. Or maybe you do that and then I'll run. <laughs>
0: that sounds like fun. I've done those. I'll races. challenge you. I can, I'll take I've you on on like, your horse. An endurance race and we can we can go together. We'll just like run yeah. it together.
1: That'd be fun. Alright, deal. Shake on deal. it. <laughs> can you hear the shake? <laughs> yep, there it is. Alright. Annie, come here. Let's say goodbye. Let me see if I can get a growl from Annie to say Annie? goodbye. Hey, whoa, sorry, I scared Annie. Arr, eh, <laughs> uh, she's the most docile dog of all time can't get any growls out of her anyway natalie you're great thanks so much for doing this interview you're very wise and i think your words will help many people
0: oh thank you thank you <laughs> okay.
1: all right farewell everybody
0: bye